How's everybody doing? And everybody else? No? When I went to school, ESL, I'm an ESL, I learned that everybody includes everybody. So how's everybody doing? Ah, see? That's a different. Okay, so how many of you guys remember what is the word for 2023 for Toronto City Church? Is what? Faith. Is what? Faith. Faith. But faith is a very complex and extensive subject. It has so many meanings, particularly nowadays. And it is important for us that we get to understand faith through the lens of the biblical teaching. Because that's what concerns to us. Nowadays, we face the challenge that we talk about faith almost in everything. Faith is positive energy. As long as you believe it, it will happen. Faith is the things that we believe, particularly when we talk about religion. So we have the Muslim faith, we have the Buddhist faith, we have the Christian faith. And, and it is important for us to understand that as Christians, as we were singing earlier, we need to break the barriers of religion and tradition to understand what we believe. From where? From the Word of God, from the Bible. So I'm going to invite you, and for those of you that have been journeying with God for a while, when we talk about faith, we usually go to the book of or the letter to the Hebrews, chapter, verse 1. So Hebrews 11, chapter 1 reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of all receive their commendation. Notice that it says the people of all, not the older people. Because each one of us needs faith. So let's bow our heads for a minute before we start. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you are giving us, Father, to stand here before your presence. As we have come, Father, to worship and to praise you, we ask, Lord, that our attention now be on us. And as your word is being preached, Father, that you will bring to us understanding and revelation of the things that you want to accomplish in our lives, of the assignments that you want us to take in our hands. Holy Spirit, work your way in our lives. Change our hands and renew our minds. We thank you for everything that you're about to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement reads, Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 16 reads, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always, everybody say always, obeyed, so now, not only as seen my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and 
to work for his good pleasure. I want to stop here for a moment. It says, first and foremost, as Pastor Brendan was sharing with us, faith is going to require obedience. And this is very important. But also something that we need to keep in mind is that faith is something that God initiates in our hearts. It says on, the, on, on verse 13, it is God who works in you. So God is the one that does this. Both to will, which is the desire that we have, and the doing of those things that God is going to place in our hearts. For I believe that in our journey of faith, many times we are going to be disappointed and we are going to struggle because we are pursuing our own dreams. And there is nothing wrong with belief, but belief is not enough for faith. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. When we speak of faith, it is really important for us to understand that once again, it is the Bible who is going to be the lens for us to understand what faith is, particularly from our Christian worldview. It's something that we need to understand that faith is out of this world. One of my favorite writers, and many of you probably have heard the name of David Jongicho. Anyone, David Jongicho? He wrote a book called The Fourth Dimension. What is this book about? It's about faith. Faith doesn't move in our tridimensional world. It's something that moves beyond. It's something that moves beyond, once again, us stating some facts, having some knowledge. It is something that moves from our hearts in the spirit and does not depend on the accomplishments that we have faith for. And therefore, the title of my message today, Faith for the Journey. Amen? So what is faith? For many, faith, once again, is trust and confidence. If we analyze faith as a word, it can be a noun, it can be a verb, or it can be an adjective. We read in the Bible that faith is one of the spiritual gifts according to 1 Corinthians 12, but also that it is some of the results of the fruit of the Spirit. And notice that I said the fruit, because it is important for, for us to understand when we are in relationship, those 19 traits that are explained in the book of Galatians are the result of us having communion with the Holy Spirit. And as part of that, faith is one of the results. Any person that calls himself a Christian don't need to start with understanding and believing what are the core elements or the core doctrines of our faith. Now, we are a non... We're not a church that we proclaim or, or we pray or we declare the creed. But 
if we call ourselves Christians, at the core of our doctrine, it's the creed. And a creed is just a statement that will tell you the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And the disciples back in the early church, they had to work really hard on this because our faith, our beliefs were being challenged. So I just want to go through some of the foundations of the creed. And the first thing that the creed states is that we believe in how many gods? One. That is the true God. There are many small g gods, but there's only one that is truthful. He is the Father Almighty and He is the maker of heavens and earth. The things that we see and the things that we do not see. How many of you believe in Jesus? It is important for us to understand that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. There are other peoples and faiths that believe that Mary and Joseph had more kids. And Jesus was just the oldest brother. So it's important to understand that he was the only begotten. That he was not made. That he is of the same essence as the Father and as the Holy Spirit. That he came and for our salvation, he went to the cross. He was buried and rose again on the third day. We also are to believe that there's repentance at that baptism for the forgiveness of our sins. And that we all are expecting Jesus' return. Any person that calls itself Christian will have these as the foundation of their belief system. There are changes here and there in different interpretations as we deal with doctrine. But at the core, this is unchangeable. Any changes to this... It's not acceptable. So our faith starts with this foundation. We need to believe in this. There is no faith if we don't believe in God, if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't believe in the Holy Spirit. It's going to be hard for us to go into that journey. But how many of you guys know that from believing and what we live in life, life happens? Is anybody here whose life is happening right now? Now, how many of you guys know that life is not fair? Life is not fair. We are broken people that we were born into a broken world. we broken systems. And we all need redemption. We all need salvation. And life is going to happen whether you want it or not. Whether you like it or not, whether you're asking for it or not, life will happen. And as part of dealing with life, we need faith. It is a key element for us to be able to make it to the other side. For faith, once again, is a journey. Faith is more than believing, as I was saying. It doesn't matter how much you believe, how much you pray, how much you sleep in a hangar. You will never, ever will become an airplane. It's true. It's true. You can believe all that you want. You can even start flying, soaring. Now, don't do that from a high building. Because you're not going to pass the test. 
So faith is more than just believing in something. When we go back to Hebrews 11, which is the scripture that we're going to be dealing with the most today, and with some chapters of Genesis, I'm going to do my best to gather like 10 chapters of Genesis today. <laughs> yes. And you heard the first service already. <laughs> faith is not believing, neither is a substitute for knowledge. So the fact that we believe, we need also some knowledge. Therefore, foundation. Foundation. But knowing doesn't necessarily is reflected into faith. Faith recognizes or acknowledges facts, but it is not out to obtain, contradict, or to prove. So faith does not depend on the results. Many people is disappointed because during their journey, they pray, they believe, and things don't happen. And when things don't happen, if you guys remember the journey of Job, and for many of you probably, as you journey, as you pray, and things don't happen, what is people saying? You did something wrong. You don't have enough faith. You're in sin. And, and all these things are going to come, and instead of strengthening your faith, they're going to come and weaken your faith. So, very important for us to understand the principles of faith. Going back again to Hebrews 11. Verse 1 reads, now faith is the assurance. Everybody say, hypostasis. Oh, we're learning Greek today. Faith is the assurance. This word assurance in Greek is the word hypostasis. And hypostasis speak of substance. And it's the same word that we use when we study the, the, the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are from the same substance. They are one. We call about that the hypostasis of the Trinity. And this is just speaking to us that at the core of our faith, there needs to be a seed. There needs to be a foundation. There needs to be something that is going to help this faith to germinate, to grow. And it's that substance of the things that we are hoping. And the conviction of those things that we yet have not seen. For all of those of you mothers in the house, you know what I'm talking about. One month, and you may experience that, oh my goodness, there is something that is not happening to my body that should be happening right now. You go to the doctor and the doctor told you, you are pregnant. Now, how many of you guys see your baby at that point? None of you, but you have been told. The seed has been planted. The process is going. The baby is growing. And though many experts say that you don't feel the movements of the baby until you are probably on the five, six months mark, then you start caring for that baby. I'm not pregnant. <laughs> but you start believing. And, and though you don't have the baby in your hands, even the father can just start dreaming and imagine that baby. 
And the journey continues. And the moment that the baby is here, that's fate no more. The baby is here. Now you have to deal with the baby and the results of your faith. <laughs> For at least 18 years, I would say. Or more, it depends. But that's at the beginning. It says that on verse 2, that by this faith or for this faith, the all receive their commendation. I want to take you into a journey now. On verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. There's two words in, in the Greek language for or that translate as word. One is the word logos and the other one is the word Rema. So when we are translating and when we are reading verse 3, it says that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the what? The Logos or the Rema? The Rema of God. It's not just the fact that the word existed, it's the fact that that word has been inseminated now. It's carrying action. It's bringing forth something that has not yet been seen. So very important for us to understand this. So once again, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Now, we need to be very careful with this. And I'm going to explain why. Romans 10, 17, and that's what I was saying, that is not... Faith doesn't come just only from believing and sometimes just from even declaring what is here. I'm going to explain to you why. Romans 10, 17 reads, Faith comes by hearing the word of God. What word are we using there? Rema. How do we call this? Logos. Not Rema. This is Logos. And once the Logos have been impregnated with the desire of God, and we're going to get into that, then now is going to fulfill what that word has been released for. So very important for us to understand that no matter what declarations you do from here, if those declarations are not within the will of God, they won't happen. I was having a conversation with someone, and theologically we're still dealing with the fact of the thorn in the flesh of Paul. And, and I, don't th I don't think that there is anyone of us that can pinpoint at what was that thorn in the flesh. All we know is that he was a messenger from Satan. Whether an oppressive spirit, an illness, whatever it was, three times he came to God. And three times the answer was, there is no deliverance, healing, or freedom for you from this. My grace is sufficient. Therefore, the Apostle Paul was not weakened by that. He didn't stop believing. He didn't stop preaching. Because he didn't get the results of what he was hoping for. Faith is a journey more than a result. Jeremiah 17.9 reads, The heart is... Deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So the fact that sometimes we have godly desires doesn't mean that they are coming from 
God. My wife was sharing the other day uh, from, I believe, his first kings. When David had in his heart, he said, I, I have a house now that I'm living in. And, and I want to build a house for God. And Nathan, the prophet, said, for sure, go. For the Lord is with you. Who was speaking? The prophet. Later on that night, God came and he said to Nathan, uh-uh, that's not my will. And he had to go and tell David, uh, whatever I said, forget about it. <laughs> I am the prophet, but ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. It's not within God's will. So now we deal with that. So there are things that come from our heart that are not necessarily from God. Psalm 37, 3, 5 reads, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And this is a verse that we all pray for, recite, declare, because God will give me the desires of my heart. I have a challenge with this scripture. I'm going to suggest that it's not that God wants to give you everything that you want. Because our hearts think about ourselves. But what if God is going to give me the desires of his heart and those desires are going to become my desires god will give you the desires for your heart he will deposit in you the seeds the words of the things that he wants you to accomplish in life And once those desires are inside, they're going to cause us to move, as we just read, in the direction that God wants us to go. And therefore, an explanation for why so many times in our life journey, we bump into walls, we bump into people, we get the boot, different things that happen in our lives. And we wonder, where is God? It's not worthy for me to commit all my time to God. Too much prayer, too much meeting, too much giving, and nothing is happening in my life. Because we are basing our faith in the results. And the results of what we want. Going back to our scripture, verses 4 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him with him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, which is the preaching of his word. Now, how many of you guys know that not able 
Enoch or Noah had the written word of God in his days and his time. But they had something else. Relationship. Relationship. It doesn't matter how much you read your Bible. If you don't have relationship with God. If you don't spend time with him. What is necessary for your faith to grow won't happen. Because it is key element for us to be in relationship. Pastor Samuel was saying, hey, how many of you guys love prayer? How many of you guys love prayer? Four people and like some. How many of you guys love prayer? Everybody should be, yeah. But if I ask how many of you guys pray, don't raise up your hands. If I go through a different question, how many of you guys pray consistently? The story changes. How many of you guys pray consistently believing? And we wonder, why is it that I don't see things happening? Why is it that I don't see healing? Why is it that I don't see deliverance? Obedience, trustworthiness, faithfulness, relationship, all are key elements of our faith. Now we're going to start the journey of the life of Abraham. I really love Abraham in the Bible because he's called the father of faith. So I think that he has a lot to teach us about faith. Beginning on chapter 12, one of the first things is that God asked him to live. And he gives him a promise. On verse 2 he says, I will make of you... A great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and he who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here comes God and say, Abraham, this is what you're going to do. And I imagine Abra Abraham. No maps? No, no maps. No GPS? No GPS. Can maybe take someone with me? Uh, you and your family, your household. Oh, but I'm so in love with my nephew. He just lost his family and all these things. I would like to take him with me. In fact, I will take him with me. What was the name of his nephew? Lot. You guys know what Lot means in the Bible? The name of Lot? It means veil. From the get-go, his journey starts with a veil in front of him. Pastor Samuel was sharing with us, there are so many times that we get attached to different things. They are so dear to us. I have them so close to my heart that they are hard for me to let go. Whether they're sin or not. Because loving people is not a sin. But we're going to learn from Abraham how much loving people can become a hindrance for our faith. He begins this journey. He leaves his land. And he, the Bible says that he goes to live in the, la, in the land of Canaan. And the first thing that he's challenged with is that he goes to this land that the Lord is showing you. But he's going to find that there is a famine. There is no food. 
And he was not only with his wife, but his cattle. He, he, he was a farmer. He grew sheep and all these things. And now he doesn't have enough. So what am I going to do? Oh, I see a land over there. There's lots of water. And when there is water, there is provision. So he went into a journey to the land of Egypt. And Egypt, many times in the Bible, represents slavery. Now, that was not the case of Abraham. That was later on. But when he goes, he goes and he's bringing with him whom? His veil and his wife. Beautiful wife. He knew that she was beautiful. He knew that she was so beautiful that as they were going into Egypt, he said, we're going to say that you're my sister because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. These people may kill me and they're going to want you because it's the only way that they're going to get you. So you're my sister. Unfortunately, there's nothing that passed the eyes of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh called him to be part of his court. And what happened there is that trouble started for Pharaoh. Not for Abraham, for Pharaoh. And somehow revelation comes to him that Sarai was Abraham's wife. And what does Pharaoh do? What did he do? He gave him the boot. How many of us have we been given the boot? Whether it is a family, a friend, like whatever. A job. And one of the things that we will see in our journey with God is that when we are given the Buddhist for a reason. God is trying to bring us back into his plan. He's going to do it. How much pain you're willing to suffer will depend on you and how willing you are to stick to the plan. That was just the beginning for him. He's given the boot, and now he needs to deal with his family. Lot was in the same profession as Abraham. They were growing sheep and all these things. And at some point, the land that they had was not enough for them. And they started arguing. So Abraham stands and he says, you know what? Yes, I agree. It's time for us to break relationship here. It's time for, we, for us to separate. You go one way, I go the other one. You get to pick. So Lot stands on a little hill once again. Oh, I know where I'm going. I'm going back to the land of Egypt. But he was living in the area of two cities that were known by their prosperity. And the cities were Sodom and Gomorrah. And we all have heard the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah. Interesting enough, in those times... There was a fight for land, for growing. So four kings decided to place war against five kings, including the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And who won? The four kings. They defeated the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. So whoever was around, they became enemies. They were going to become slaves. Among them, Lot. And the news came to Abram. And Abram was like, oh, again, my dear nephew, I love him so much. I will continue to stick to my veil. 
I'm going to go and defend him. He raises an army of about 300 men and he goes and fight against four kings and he's able to release his nephew. The journey is still in his life and he keeps wondering about the promise because so far, nothing is happening for him. And we come now to chapter 15, I believe. Oh, sorry, before, in chapter 14, at the end of this defeat, that's where he meets with Melchizedek. Melchizedek was another king. And he was also a high priest. And he's what we call a proto-Jesus, or someone like Jesus. And it's one of the first encounters where we assume that Abraham was able to meet with Jesus. It was the same story. And, and, and that's where he comes, he surrenders, he blesses him, gives him the title of everything. They have this encounter. But once again, the promise is not there. So on chapter 15 of Genesis, we're going to find this, that Abraham comes back to have this struggle. Nothing is happening. All this fighting, all these things. And it says on verse 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, oh Lord, why will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. God, you haven't given me a, a job, or at least not the one I want. I have a transportation and not a beautiful car. I have these things. And all my time in church, all my time in these things, and I don't see the results of the things that you have promised to me. And we go into the journey of Solomon. All these things. And I compare myself to the people of the world. The people that don't have Jesus, they have money, they have families, they have pleasures, they have happiness. And I'm all the time in church on my knees and I don't see anything. Why? Why? Much whining doesn't work with God. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Once again, the promise of the Lord comes to him. You're not alone. I am with you. I'm still for you. Not on your time, not on your way, but I will make what I have promised to you happen. Now, once we get the promise, sometimes we need to understand that as Pastor Samuel was saying, we cannot do it our way. And Abraham had the same test of faith. At some point he was about 80 something and, and once again this great, great idea came from Sarai his wife you have no child 
but I have a great idea. I mean, you're old, but I'm old too. Uh, and I don't have anymore the custom of the women. I cannot get pregnant. But there is a custom in our people that you can get pregnant one of my servants. And at the time of birth, if I hold the baby on my lap, then the baby will be mine. So do you think that that's a great idea? No, no, forget about Sarah. No, the Lord has given me a promise. No, 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 no. We need to still to believe. How many of you guys know that that was not the result? That was not the story. Everyone was like, yes, fun and baby. Fun and baby. And it happened. Fun and baby. As Hagar, who was the servant that got pregnant, got pregnant, he was making Sarah's life miserable. Ha, 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 look what I have in my belly and you have nothing. Ha, 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 you cannot get pregnant. I'm favorite, you're not. And many times we had the same experience in our journey of faith. And other people is doing better than us. Other people is being prosper. Other people get into relationship and things start coming their way. And once again, we don't see results. And we start wondering, but why, why me, why me, why me? I want to tell you why me. Baby comes, baby grows. There is this uh, fighting between Sarai and, and Hagar. And the Lord once again comes to their lives. And what happens is that Abraham was at this point about 99. We're going to read the scriptures. In, verse, in chapter 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, imagine that. It was no father Abraham, but it was more like grandpa Abraham. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty, the one that can do anything walk before me and be blameless walk before me and be blameless so far up to this point Abraham hasn't been walked before him and he was not blameless because he was doing things his own way as I like to say the Elvis way and I don't think that things ended up being well for Elvis or for anyone that sang that song and believed it no Frank Sinatra, no none of those guys. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Doesn't say that I will, that I may make covenant with you. Covenant depends on our obedience. On being faithful. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. He takes this position of repentance. God sees the heart, make the covenant, 
And not only that, but as we can see, the Rema word comes to Abraham's life to the point that he begins to transform his heart. Abraham means proud father or a father that lives out of pride. He's exalted. Oh, I'm Abraham. No. Now he's changed from the inside out. And he became the father of nations. And the word not only came for him, and this is something that impacts my life. Later on, on verses 15 to 19, we read, And God said to Abraham, his heart has been changed, his name has been changed. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations, kings, people from her. The change happened as well for her. Her name was changed, and now she was called Princess. And they get pregnant. Abram was 99. Sarah was 90. Nine years difference. All people, and they got pregnant. And the miracle happened. Yay! To how many of us the miracle happened? And we forget that we're still serving the same God. And many times the miracle takes place. The place that only belonged to God. And this happened to Abraham. Isaac was born. He began to grow. And all the attention was on Isaac. And he had the miracle, but he forgot that he needed to continue to work in his life journey with God. Many times we want the miracle, we receive the miracle, but we forget that for the miracle to stick, we need to be obedient. I was sharing on first service, but six, seven years ago, I was diagnosed with diabetes type 2. Some of you may know the story. When I went to the doctor, got the test back and all that stuff, the doctor called me immediately and he told me, I need you right now in my office because you are at a high risk of having a heart attack or getting into a diabetic coma. Why? I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a pastor of the church. But I wasn't caring for my body. My favorite breakfast three, four times a week, bag of cookies, and to wash out the sugar, 591 milk coke. Skipping meals and all these things because I needed energy. I was a full-time student, full-time pastor, full-time father, full-time husband, full-time friend. Who has energy for all those things? I need energy. Where do I find the energy? Sugar and carbs. Until illness came and touched at my doors. And one of the things that the Lord convicted me is that first and foremost, I was accountable to Him. He gave me this body. Although it's a little bit chubby, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm accountable to that. I, I need to keep this body healthy because it's for the long journey. And I wasn't being accountable to Him. 
I wasn't being accountable to my wife or my kids. Because if I get sick, who's going to deal with the sickness? Just me? Now they paid the price because for like four months there was no rice at home. And we are rice people. There was no pasta. My favorite lunch, a huge plate with rice, potatoes, pasta, and a piece of beef. Salad? was that? So that explains a lot. I was not only accountable to my family, I was accountable to a congregation. Because as a pastor and a leader, I need to give and set up an example. So I needed to make something radical. And it was like flipping a hamburger. Complete change. No sugars, no, because people, oh, but Pastor Yair, you can eat fruit. It's healthy sugar. What's after healthy? Sugar. Sugar. No, you cannot have sugar. Yes, we need sugar, but not that much. So I started the journey, and, and my family and I, and part of the leadership of the church, they were standing with us in prayer. I wanted a miracle. I didn't want to depend on no medicine. For four months, I depended on the medicine, but I said to myself, there's only one way in which I can test if I have been healed or if I still depend on the medicine. Now, this is me. Don't take this as the, as, the, as the case for everybody. People has approached me. You need to be wise. This was for me. I needed to hear from God. And that's what I was hearing. So I stopped the medicine. I went for my checkup. I told the doctor. And when the doctor started to tell me, yeah, so da, 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 da. And what we are going to do is that we are going to bring the dosage to half a pill a day of your medicine. And I said to the doctor, I think that you didn't hear me when I talked to you. I stopped the medicine about three weeks ago. What? No, you cannot do that. This is crazy. No, we're going to do the test. And depending on how the test comes, I will put you back on the medicine. The end result, the doctor called me about eight, weeks, eight days after, and he told me, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Because it's working. And it's been like six years. No medicine, no nothing. My checkups come. Still healthy. But it depends on me. I don't have any more cookies and coke for breakfast. Although I'm a, 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 a sweet dude, I don't know. I'm not after candy and all that stuff anymore. I remember when I used to, to swim into the, the pools of candy during the fall festival. <laughs> I don't do those no more. If I, I may swim in the pool, but I don't need the candy. No, no, no. So this happened to Abraham. Isaac became the attention and God had to do something. Test his faith. And our faith is going to be tested. And that's where you will know how faithful you are. The disciples were with Jesus for close to three years, some less, some more. And when the time of the test came, everyone disappeared. Yeah, Lord, we will go with you wherever we go. If you go into this place, yeah, we will be with you. We're not going. They fail. But they learn out of that they learn and after that we hear of the stories and the accomplishment of the disciples they fade even the storm the stoning the beheading of other people around them the persecution their faith never waver so all these things are important but I want to close with this and Justin can join me now 
When we go back to Hebrews 11, verse 32 reads, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, all judges. David, a king. People in positions of government. Because many times we feel that faith is only for those that are involved in church. Those that need to cause greater things for God. But each one of you have a call from God to do something. Whatever that God has called you. And you need that faith. Then he mentions Samuels and the prophets. Yeah, people from the clergy. It says, who f through faith conquered kingdoms and for justice obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. How many of you guys encouraged so far? Because of faith. Pastor Jair, is all that stuff going to happen to me? No. Or maybe. I don't know. But faith will help you to go through. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. What a journey. And on verse 39, the writer closes saying, And all these... Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. There was a promise, and it's the promise that we haven't talked about. That beyond all the little promises and the things that we pay attention to, it's at the center of our faith. That is the promise of Messiah. None of them get to experience that that's what the writer says since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect the circle closes here when we go back to Hebrews 11 verse 10 Abraham he was looking forward to the city that has foundations who designer and builder is God. Yes, there were expectations of children, nations, and all these things. But what kept him going was the finish line. The finish line. We all know the finish line is called the first death for all of us. Whatever we do on this side of the line... And if we have enough to cross the line, will grant for us to get the crown of life that has been promised to us. How the journey is going to look like is different for all of us. But the writer to Hebrews doesn't leave us all hanging there. On verse, on chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that also lay aside every weight, every sin, every worry, every concern, your illness, your depression, whatever that can be a hindrance for God, lay it aside. And sin which clings so closely. 
And let us run with endurance. For some of us, the journey may be long, the journey may be shorter. I don't know. Only God knows the time that we have here on this earth. But we are going to need to endure the journey. I don't know how many jumps, how many turns, how many swims, how many dives you're going to have to go through. Endure the process. And the only way that we will be able to endure the race that is set before us is when we look, when we look to Jesus. Jesus is the founder. He's the giver. He's the substance. He's the one that will instigate the faith in your heart. And not only that, once you have that faith, He will perfection that hurt that faith he's after your heart he's after your life faith is more than accomplishing or getting the things that we want here the greatest test of faith will be at the end line and my invitation for us throughout this year is that we will place our eyes in the only one that can accomplish as much as the little things as the great thing he wants to heal you he wants to give you he wants to provide according to his plan and purpose not according to yours but everything starts at the feet of the cross when we accept that the sacrifice of Jesus was enough for us to believe that God had a plan from the beginning the creator of everything in Genesis 3 has fulfilled the promise Messiah has come his kingdom is at hand but it's necessary for us to repent and to believe that he is able and once we are positioned there, He will do. There is no other way. He is the way. There is no other arguments or statements. He is the truth. And He is the only one that can give us and grant for us the life. Life for us was not given only to be lived here on earth but to live it in his presence. And that's my invitation for each one of us. As we have been encouraged, if you were encouraged or challenged, if you were challenged, everything depends on fixing our eyes on the altar and the finisher of our faith. So whether you have been away or you haven't accepted Jesus, that's at the beginning of our journey. And I believe that this is the perfect opportunity for us to pray together. And if this is maybe the first time that you're going to do this prayer, do it from your heart. Because that will be the beginning of your faith journey. That will be the beginning where God will come and deposit that seed that you need for the rest of your life. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the gift of life.
We thank you, Father, for the gift of Jesus. For it is in Him that we find life. And as we come before you, Father, whether we know you or not, we surrender at your feet our sin. We surrender at your feet our struggle. We surrender our traditions and our religions as we were singing. And we open our hearts, we open this space for you to come and bring life to us. To come and do in us whatever you want to. Father, we thank you for we know that you are faithful to fulfill what you have promised. So right now, Father, I pray for those that have been struggling in their journey to touch their lives, to speak to them in their hearts through someone, Father, or in the wee hours in the morning when we are awake, just tumbling in our bed, figuring out things. Let them know that you are here that you are faithful for there is no one like you so we surrender everything to you Father and as we go into this journey that is called faith that is called life Father help us so that we will continue to exercise so that we will continue Father to believe in your promises but more important Father so our ears will be attentive to your voice that whenever you give us that rhema word, Father, we can carry it as fuel for our journey. We thank you, Father, for it is in your word that we find strength. That we find hope. More than anything, Father, the hope that you have called us to live a life with you. So we thank you. and We praise you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives ignite empower and continue to fuel our faith that's our prayer today father in jesus name we pray and everybody in agreement says amen and amen happy family sunday happy family weekend everyone so if some of you need prayer whether it is prayer of salvation or you want us to pray for something just to strengthen you in the journey we're going to be here at the front ready to pray for you and to pray with you. Thank you for attending. And on behalf of Pastors Brendan and Sharon, have a great family Sunday. Be blessed.